And at some point, let's say computers can understand 300 languages, can fluently communicate and converse. I have not run into a person who can speak 300 languages. And not only machine can fluently communicate and converse, but can comprehend, understand, and learn, and reason. And can really finish all the PhD courses in all the subjects. The knowledge acquisition, reasoning, is beyond anyone's individual capability. When that moment is here, you can think about how intelligent that AI is going to be. You're listening to the Microsoft Research Podcast, a show that brings you closer to the cutting edge of technology research and the scientists behind it. I'm your host, Gretchen Huizinga. When was the last time you had a meaningful conversation with your computer and felt like it truly understood you? Well, if Dr. Zhu Dong Huang, a Microsoft Technical Fellow and head of Microsoft's speech and language group is successful, you will. And if his track record holds true, it'll be sooner than you think. On today's podcast, Dr. Wong talks about his role as Microsoft's chief speech scientist, gives us some inside details on the latest milestones in speech and language technology, and explains how mastering speech recognition, translation, and conversation will move machines further along the path from perceptive AI to cognitive AI, and that much closer to truly human intelligence. That and much more on this episode of the Microsoft Research Podcast. Zhudong Huang, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. You are a Microsoft Technical Fellow in the Speech and Language Group, and you lead Microsoft's spoken language efforts. So we're going to talk in depth about these in a bit, but first, as the company's chief speech scientist. Give us a general view of what you do for a living and why you do it. What gets you up in the morning? Well, what we do is really make sure we have the best speech and language technology that can be used to empower a wide range of scenarios. The reason we have a group to do that is really, I feel that, you know, this is not only the most natural way for people to communicate as we're doing right now, but it's really the hardest AI challenges we're facing. So that's what we do, trying to really drive breakthrough, deliver these awesome services on our cloud, Azure services, and make sure we are satisfying a wide range of customers, both inside Microsoft and outside of Microsoft. There are three things, really, if you want to frame this whole thing. Yeah. The first, we have the horsepower to really drive speech recognition accuracy to drive the naturalness of our synthesis effort to make sure translation quality is accurate when you translate from English to Chinese or French or German. So there's a really a lot of science behind that, making sure the accuracy, naturalness, latency, they are really world class. So that's one. The second one is really, we not only provide technology, we deliver services on Azure that from Office to Windows, Cortana, they're all depending on the same cloud services. And we also have Azure devices like our speech device SDK. Yeah. So we want to make sure the speech on the Edge and the cloud, 
they are really delivered in a modern fashion. Mm-hmm. That's the platform in the cloud and the embedded. So that's the second. The platform is modern. The third one is really to show our love to the customer because we have wide range of customers worldwide. We want to really delight and make sure our customer experience using speech translation is top notch. Yeah, that's actually really three key things I do: AI horsepower, modernize our platform in the cloud and on the edge, and love our customers. Well, and you've got a lot of teams working in these groups to tackle each of these pillars. We might call them. Yes, we have teams worldwide as well. Yeah, and so the diversity is amazing because we are really trying to address the language barriers. Yeah, trying to remove the language barriers. So we do have teams in China, we have teams in Germany, in Israel, in India, and in the U.S. Of course. So we really work around the globe trying to deal with these language challenges. So I want to start by quoting you to set the stage for our conversation today. You said, "Speech and language is the crown jewel of AI." So unpack that for us.、Mm-hmm. Well, we can think in the scale of humans' evolution, and at some point, the language was born. That accelerated humans' evolution. If you think about all the animals on this planet, you know there are animals running faster than. Humans, they can see better. Their teeth are sharper. Especially in the night, they're、right? stronger. <laughs> yeah, they can actually hear better, smell better. Only we humans have the language. We can organize better. We can describe in science fiction term. We can really organize ourselves, create a constitution. So, if you look at the humans, it is speech and language that set us apart from. Of animals, for artificial intelligence, speech and language will drive the evolution of AI, just like it did to humans. That's why it's the crown jewel of AI,、right. and it's a tough one to crack. Yeah, there's a whole philosophical discussion on that topic alone, but it leads to some interesting questions about, you know, if you're wildly successful with machine language, what are these machines? So let's just actually, you know, set our imagination yeah, off、do. a little bit, right? And at some point, let's say computers can understand three hundred languages, can fluently communicate and converse. I have not run into a person who can speak three hundred languages. And not only machine can fluently communicate and converse, but can comprehend, understand, and learn. And the reason, and can really finish all the PhD courses in all the subjects. The knowledge acquisition, reasoning, is beyond anyone's individual capability. When that moment is here, you can think about how intelligent that AI is going to be. Is this something you envision? Yes. Do we want that? Yes, I think this world will be a much better place. I was in Japan just a few weeks ago, carrying Microsoft Translator on my mobile devices. I was able to really communicate with Japanese who do not speak Chinese or English. It's already there. 
Microsoft Translator can speak the language I do not speak and help me to be more productive when I was in Japan. So I'm all about that. Just scares me a little bit to think about a machine we weren't first, were not last, we're just next. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are two levels of intelligence. The first level is really perceptive intelligence. That is the ability to see, to hear, to smell. And then the high level is cognitive intelligence. That is the ability to reason, to learn, and to acquire knowledge. Most of the AI breakthroughs we have today, they are in the perceptive level, such as speech recognition, speech synthesis, computer vision. But this high-level reasoning and the knowledge acquisition, cognitive capability is still far from being close to human's level. Right. And uh, what I'm excited about translation, it is really something between perceptive intelligence and cognitive intelligence. And the fact that we're actually able to really build the success on the perceptive intelligence and expand into cognitive intelligence is quite a journey. And right. uh, I do not know when we're going to reach that milestone. But that one is coming. It's just a matter of time. Whoa. Could it take 50 years, but I think it is going to happen. We'll have to come back for another podcast to talk about that milestone because we're going to talk about a couple milestones in a minute. But first, I want to do a little bit of backtracking because you've been around for a while and you started in Microsoft Research right about the time Rick Rashid was setting the organization up and speech was one of the first groups that was formed. And according to MSR lore, the goal of the group was to make speech mainstream. So give us a brief history of speech at MSR How has the research gone from not mainstream in those early take risks and look far out days to being a presence in nearly every Microsoft product today? Before I joined Microsoft Research, I was also on the faculty and the CMU in Pittsburgh. So because I was a professor there, I was a junior faculty member. So I was doing my research mostly in the CMU on speech. Microsoft reached out and they wanted to set up a speech group. So I moved actually on the first day of 1993, after the New Year's break. I flew from Pittsburgh to Seattle and started that journey and it never changed. So that was uh, the beginning of Microsoft Speech. We were the research group that really started working on bringing speech to the developers. Right. So not just blue sky not research. Not just blue sky anymore. research. So we licensed technology from CMU. That's how we started. So we're very grateful to CMU's pioneering research in this area. So we were the research group, but we delivered the first speech API, SAPI, on Windows 95 as a research group. We were pretty proud of that because usually research is doing only blue sky research. We not only did blue sky research, continue to push the envelope, continue to improve the recognition accuracy, but we also worked with Windows, brought that technology to Windows developer. So SAPI was the first speech API in the industry on Windows. Wow. And that was really quite a journey. And then I eventually left research 
joined the product group. I took the team and it was also an exceptional Microsoft speech research group came with me, <laughs> went to the product group. So this has been really a fascinating 27 years experience at Microsoft. I stopped doing speech after 2004, after we shipped the speech server. And I started many different things, including running the incubation for research as a startup. Yeah. And I also worked as an architect for Satya Nadella when he was running Bing. Okay. And then when Harry was running research and technology group, I was helping him incubating a wide range of AI projects from a foundational pieces like a GPU cluster, Project Philly, the Deep Learning Toolkit, CNTK, and of course, speech research, all the way to the high-end solution like customer care yeah. intelligence. And about three years ago, I had the privilege to return to run a combined speech and the language group. So basically, we were able to consolidate all the resources working on speech and the translation. And that was the story, really, you know, the journey of yeah. my experience of fascinating 27 years. Where does speech and language live right now? So, as I said, we moved back and forth multiple times between research and product group. Mm-hmm. Right now, we are sitting in cloud and AI group. This is a product group. We're part of this cloud services. And we provide a company-wide and industry-wide speech and translation services. We also have a speech and dialogue research. They are really operating like a research group. Yeah, They are all researchers in that team. As what Rick has been saying, tech transfer is a full contact spot. We are not just you know, a full contact spot. We're one body spot. So it's actually a very exciting group with a a group of very talented, very innovative people. So it's still forward thinking in the research mode. It's both forward thinking and well grounded. We have to be grounded to deliver services from infrastructure to cost of serving. And we also have to be standing high to see the future, to define what is the solution that the people need and people want, even though the solution may not have existed and they may not know what it is at this moment. Well, let's talk about some specific research milestones that you've been involved in. And they're really interesting. Three areas you've been involved in, conversational speech recognition, machine translation, and conversational Q&A. So let's start with the recognition. In 2016, you led a team that reached historical human parity in transcribing conversational speech. Tell us about this. What was it part of? How did it come about? So... In 2016, we reached the human parity on the broadly used switchboard conversational transcription task. That task has been used in the research community and the industry probably over 10 years. And 2017, we redefined the human parity milestone. So we're not competing with only one single person. We're competing with a group of people to transcribe the same task. So I would say 2017 is a really historical moment. 
in comparison to a group of people transcribing the same task, Microsoft Speech Stack outperformed all four teams combined together. When I challenged our research group, nobody thought that was even feasible. <laughs> but in less than two years, amazingly, when we had the conviction and the resource and the focus, magic indeed happened. So that was actually a fantastic moment for the team, for science, for the technology stack. That right. was the first human parity milestone for my personal professional career. So I want to go in the weeds a little bit on this because this is interesting what you say. In two years, nobody thought it was possible and then you did it. Tell us a little more about the technical aspects of how you accomplished this. So if you look at the history of speech research, the speech group pioneered many breakthroughs that got reused by others. Let's take translation as an example. So even for speech, in early 70s, the speech recognition used the more traditional AI, like a rule-based approach expert system. And IBM Watson Research pioneered statistic speech recognition using the marker model, using you know statistic language model. They really pushed the envelope and uh, advanced the field. So that was a great moment. It was the same group of IBM speech researchers they borrowed the same idea from speech recognition, applied that to translation. They rewrote translation history, really advanced the quality of translation substantially. And after the hidden marker model, it was deep learning that started with speech recognition, neural speech recognition. And once again, translation borrowed the same thing with neural machine translation that also advanced. So you can see the mirror of using technology, speech people pioneered. Actually, speech guys have been doing this, uh, you know, systematic benchmarking funded by Doppler, very rigorous evaluation that really changed how science and engineering could be evaluated. Right. So there are many broad lessons from speech technology community that could have been used broadly beyond speech. So we got trained to deal with tough problems. It's no wonder the same group of people <laughs> could have achieved this uh, historic milestone. Well, let's talk about another human parody milestone, the automatic Chinese to English news translation for the WMT 2017 task. And I had Arul Menezes on the show to yeah. talk all about that. But mm -hmm. I'd love your perspective on whether and how, this is kind of goes back to what we talked about at the <laughs> beginning, whether and how you think machines can now compare to traditional human translation services and why this work is an important breakthrough for barriers between people and cultures. So the second human parity breakthrough from my team is equally exciting. As I said, transcribing switchboard conversational speech is a great milestone, but it's really under very low level and the perceptive AI level. Right. Translation is a task that is between perceptive AI and the cognitive AI. Of course, translation is a harder task and nobody believed we could have achieved this. So we set a goal in five years, let's see if we can achieve translation human parity on a sentence by sentence basis. 
So I want to really put that condition here. When human, like you and me, translate, we look at the whole paragraph, we have the broader context, we do a better job. So we limited ourselves because for the broadly used WMT, which is just a news translation measured on the sentence by sentence level. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's broadly open research public benchmark. Even for that one, we thought it could have taken five years. So we applied the same principle, built on the success we had on transcribing switchboard speech recognition. But this time, we actually went one step beyond. We partnered with Microsoft Research Group in Beijing because it's a Chinese to English translation. So across Pacific, multiple teams in Microsoft Research Asia worked together days and nights. Amazingly, this group of people surprised everyone. We delivered this in less than a year, reaching human parity on the historical translation level, better than professional people on the same task as measured by our scientists. So this time, really, we did something magic. I'm very proud of the team. I'm very proud of the collaboration. Well, another super interesting area that I'd love to talk about with you is um, what you call COCA, mm-hmm. and that's C-O-Q-A, conversational Q&A. So obviously we're talking about computers having this conversation with us, question and answer. Tell us about the work that's going on in this most human and perhaps most difficult of tasks in speech recognition technology. So this task is pioneered by Stanford researchers. It's uh, even one step closer to cognitive AI. This is a really machine reading comprehension task with conversation, with dialogue about the task. Let's say you read a paragraph. Then we challenge the reader to answer correctly with a sequence questions that are related. For example, if you read the paragraph about Bill Gates, the first question could have been, who is the founder of Microsoft? The second question could be related to the first one. How old is the person when the person started? Or you could have said, and when the person retired, how old was he? So that context relevancy is harder than simple machine reading comprehension because there's a sequence of related questions you have to answer given the context. So for this latest breakthrough, and I have to give credit mostly to our colleagues in Beijing Research Lab. We have been pioneering this working together using shared resources and the infrastructure. And it's just amazing. I'm so impressed with the agility and the speed we have to achieve this amazing conversational question answering challenge. So the leading researchers, they're all in Beijing, will play a great and supporting role, helping Microsoft once again be the first to achieve human parity on this broadly watched AI task. Nobody believed anyone could have achieved this conversational Q&A human parity in such a short time. And so we thought it might take two years. Once again, we broke historical record. Well, we've talked a little bit about the more technical aspects of what you're doing and how you're doing this. So on this last one, are there any other methodologies or techniques that you brought to the table 
to conquer this Q&A task? So Microsoft has accumulated 30 years of research and experiences in AI, right? The Natural Energy Group in Beijing, they have been doing this in the last 20 years, and they have accumulated lots of talents, lot of experiences. And we basically use the deep learning and transfer learning. Also, we build our success on top of the whole community. Mm-hmm. For example, Google, they delivered the, uh, this is a fascinating technology called BERT. And is that we, an acronym? Yes, it's acronym. It's uh, embedding technology. We built the success on top of that, expanded that. That's how we achieved the human priority breakthrough. Mm-hmm. So it's really a reflection of the collective community. And I talked about the collaboration between Microsoft Research in Asia and our team in the US. Mm-hmm. Actually, this is a great example of collaboration of the whole industry. On the heels of everything that could possibly go right, and it's pretty exciting what you've described to us in this podcast, we do have to address what could possibly go wrong if you're successful. Mm -hmm. You want to enable computers to listen, hear, speak, translate, answer questions, basically communicate with people. Does anything about that keep you up at night? Yes, absolutely. My worry is really someday humans can be too dependent on AI. And AI will never be perfect. AI would have a unique sort of biases. So I worry about that unconscious influence. Right. So how to deal with that is really a broad societal issue that we have to be aware and we have to address. Because just like anyone, if you have an assistant you depend on, Mm. you absolutely know how much that assistant can influence you, change your agenda, change your opinion. Um, AI, one day, is going to play the same role. AI will be biased. And how do we deal with that is my top concern. If everything goes well, that is really, you know, a top issue we have to deal with. We have to learn how to deal with it. We do not know because we're not there yet. So what kinds of design thinking are you bringing to this as you build these tools that can speak and listen and converse? Because one of the biggest things is that human ability to impute human qualities to something that's not human. I think just, you know, there are enough responsible people working on AI And the good news is that we're not there yet, (laughs) right? So we have time to work together to deal with that and uh, make sure AI is going to really serve mankind, not to destroy mankind. So that's my top worry, what keeps me awake. But my short-term worry is really AI is not good enough, (laughs) not yet. (laughs) And people, as Bill Gates used to say, always overestimate what you can do in the short term and underestimate the impact in the long term. For this case, we cannot underestimate the long-term impact, long-term milestone. Okay, it's story time. Mm, Good. Tell us a bit about your life. Uh, What's your story? What got you interested in research? Mm. 
particularly speech and language technology research. And what was your path to MSR? Good. Um, I was a graduate student in Beijing's Tsinghua University. At that time, my first computer was uh, Apple II. So because you know Chinese language is not easy to type, so it was very cumbersome. So that necessity brought me to speech recognition. My dream at that time was as a graduate student in Tsinghua, actually was in AI, in AI of Tsinghua's you know, graduate school. Yeah. It was fantastic to have you know, so many professors and the faculty members who had a long-term vision and set up the pioneering environment for us to explore and experiment with. So I finished my master's degree. I was in the PhD program, and uh, I have been working on speech recognition since 82, because I was enrolled, admitted to Tsinghua in 1982. That dream to make it easier for people to really communicate with machines never disappeared. So I have been working on this for over 30 years. Even though at Microsoft for a short period of time, I stepped out of speech, but I was still doing something related. So I really thought this was a fascinating story. So I got some personal, really interesting story. As I said, you know, it was hard to type in Chinese when I was at the Tsinghua University. And I didn't finish my PhD and the Tsinghua, I went to University of Edinburgh okay. in Scotland. And I did finish my PhD there. <laughs> <laughs> but the, my personal pain point when I first landed in Edinburgh was really, uh, I learned English, mostly American English in China. It wasn't that good because it wasn't my native language. But the listening to Scottish professor oh, talking was always challenging. But I was so grateful BBC had the closed captioning. Oh, funny. So I really learned my Scottish English <laughs> from watching BBC. <laughs> and I have to say that automatic captioning technology is available on Microsoft PowerPoint today. And that journey of personal pain points to what office PowerPoint teams can bring together is fascinating and personally extremely rewarding. Yeah. I'm so grateful to see the technology I have to work on is going to help many other people who are attending Scottish universities. <laughs> you know, Arul talked about that PowerPoint yeah. service, and he was talking about people who had hearing disabilities. Mm -hmm. You give it a whole new... It's much broader because the oh, language absolutely. barrier is, uh, is always there. Not everyone is as fluent and I host many visitors. Almost in every year, I'm hosting Tsinghua yeah. University MBA students. And they all learn English. But their ability to converse and listen simply is not right. as good as native people here. So the simple fact that we are able to provide captioning on the PowerPoint presentation helped all of them yeah. to learn and understand much better. So. This is actually a fairly broad scenario without even translating. Just the fact that you have captioning will enhance the communication. Right. 
And, you know, we talked earlier about the different languages and we talked a little bit about dialects, but we didn't really talk about accents within language. I mean, even in the United States, you go to various parts of the country and have a more difficult time understanding, even from your own country, just because of the accent. That's and why the, and my Scottish English is a good story. <laughs> and I hope I still have a little bit of Scottish accent. I hear it. <laughs> well, at the end of every podcast, I give my guests the last word. And since you're in human language technologies, it's particularly apropos for you. Now's your chance to say whatever you want to our listeners who might be interested in enabling computers to converse and communicate. What ought they to put boots on for? Working on speech and language. This yeah. is really the crown jewel of AI. You know, there's no more challenging task than this one, in my opinion, especially if you want to move from perceptive AI to cognitive AI, to get the ability to reason, to understand, to acquire knowledge by reading, by conversing. It's just, you know, such a fundamental area that can improve everyone's life, improve everyone's productivity, make this world a much better place without the language barriers, without the communication barriers, without the understanding barriers. Zhudong Wang, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been fantastic. My pleasure. To learn more about Dr. Zhudong Wang and the science of machine speech and language, visit microsoft.com research.